Hey, podcast listeners. Season four. We made it. We're in the in the studio here, about to introduce to you the Captain America First Avenger episode. First episode of season four. No special guest yet, but we'll have some guests later on in this season. Oh, some shout outs. We got a new Facebook like. Yeah, Amy on Facebook liked us this week. So thank yeah. you, Amy. Woo! We take every every person we can. Like, well, any Twitters? We got we got two new people following us on Twitter. Uh Sean and Alec. Um and Alec actually sent us a chili recipe. Uh the theme is the Snowflame villain. Oh, yeah. Uh and the recipe is one pound of Colombian cocaine, one <laughs> gallon of water, six parcels of ground beef, and love. And I just got to say, this is not chili, because <laughs> authentic chili actually contains, you know, chili peppers. That was a, but so far, he's winning the chili contest. No, he's not. It's not even, a, it's not a chili. Oh, I suppose not, he's disqualified. Yeah, totally. Because you need to have chili peppers. So I mean, as fun as it would be to make that. How much still, cocaine? Uh, a pound. A pound of cocaine. So. Oh my God. That's, it's an expensive bowl of yeah, it's a really expensive chili. Also, apparently, you don't you don't have to cook the beef because <laughs> <laughs> apparently you just mix cocaine, water, and beef. Oh, so thanks, Alec. So thanks, Alec, for your not chili recipe. We'll give you one week to to fix it. <laughs> um, literally, all you'd have to do is say, you know, add chili peppers. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what distinguishes. Ch- I looked this up on Wikipedia. A big shout out to uh, the whole entire country of Sweden, or just all our listeners in Sweden, because I don't know if they were just even if it was one person or if it was a lot of people. But we got a lot of plays from that country in a short amount of time, and it was pretty awesome to watch. Just as the as it lit up. Let's yeah. get right down to the episode. Beginning of season four. Episode 1, Captain America, The First Avenger. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club. I'm here today with the movie maestro, James Skyler Outsma, and the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson, and myself, the culture comic host, Michael Maurer, for the Superhero Movie Club. Movie review podcasts are a dime a dozen here at... Here at SHMC, we cover everything else in a more well-rounded manner about movies you maybe didn't notice, including budget, music, source books, and the magic of science. This week, I hope you're ready for... You win wars with guts. Grenade! Get away! Get back! Dummy grenade. Is this a test? 
He's still skinny. Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, boy. Yeah. Can't. Can't. Here we go. All right. First up, first opinions, everybody. This film came out in, like, 2011, because this is the first episode of season four, 2011. Woot. Woot. So it was awesome. Do you guys? Oh, do you, yeah. Could you go back that far in your lives to like sitting in the, in the theater watching oh, yeah. this film? I went and saw this movie alone at midnight, and it was awesome. I mean, <laughs> not the movie, but my life at that point. <laughs> I I actually did not see this in theaters. I th- saw it about uh, like three years after it came out. After I saw the Winter Soldier, and I was like, "Who's Bucky? What's happening? Why is any of this happening? <laughs> Who's Hydra?" <laughs> And and then I was like, and I watched this, and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> I was really excited for this movie because I was a big Captain America fan. I still am a big Captain America fan, but at the moment I was a larger one because, like, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> I, a lot of my friends didn't know who Captain America was. So again, I got to be that guy who got to explain everything because I had read a bunch of Captain America comics at that point. <sighs> So it was an enjoyable period. Also, it was the last film before Avengers came out, and we were all just getting jacked for that stuff. <laughs> but anyway, money! Because our, our opinions don't matter. Oh, apparently not. <laughs> well, they matter to a point. They, they were ten. They were worth $10 to the studio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Except you, Ben. Except me. <laughs> Actually, I, I gave him 20 Oh, he went twice. Yeah. Second time I was like, did I really not like this as much as I thought I did? And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. This movie was made on a production budget of $140 million. Again, we would like to add on the, like, the ambiguous formula that creates marketing budgets. Right. Because <laughs> those, I don't know, we need to find out how that works. Yeah. If need- there's any way to put a number on that. We need to pray to the marketing budget altar <laughs> to gain the wisdom. <laughs> give, give me the knowledge of marketing budgets so I can speculate at a healthy rate. Right. I will say that since this movie was, it was still right before the Disney takeover happened. This was under Paramount. Oh. So they didn't have as many of the endless evil resources that Disney Evil. Seems... Evil. Evil. Come on, yes. man. Disney's oh the source of childhood joy. Sure it is. Walt Disney might have been a Nazi sympathizer, or that could have been a thing I just made up now. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Charles Lindbergh was. <laughs> Good for oh, him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No wonder his baby got kidnapped. Movie. He's not in the... What? <laughs> <laughs> the Lindbergh baby got kidnapped. You don't remember that? No, yet? that was the Hindenburg. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the Hindenburg got kidnapped, and the Lindbergh baby exploded into fire. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. History lessons, everybody. The baby had too much hydrogen. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) this movie grossed $176 domestically, which is, you know, it it made back its production budget with a little bit extra. And then, of course, $193 million worldwide, which is just a little bit better. Of course. $193 foreign, not worldwide. What? You said worldwide. Oh, yeah, you're right. Foreign. Yeah. $193 foreign. How much worldwide? Three seventy million. So, and that was and that was what? Worldwide. World worldwide. Worldwide. <laughs> okay. I will not fall into that trap. <laughs> the world ride rap. World the ride rap. <laughs> the world ride rap. The world ride rap. Yeah, bro. 
<laughs> Which means it was just $30 million away from being a legitimate international blockbuster. $400 million is a legitimate... Who, who wrote that rule? Wikipedia, son! <laughs> okay. So um, to bring it back down to comparable standards, we've got Cap 2, of course, made twice as much. Whoa, Siri, why were you recording everything I was saying to this <laughs> moment? Because I, I told her to. <laughs> oh, it's I'm connected to a power source. Oh. It just said, I, I must have said, hey, Siri, at one point. Huh? Okay, fine. Don't work then. Bitch. Sorry. Sorry. A little sidetrack. <laughs> it, like it was like a page. It was just, just recording <laughs> no, no, everything. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus. But anyway, Cap 2 made twice as much as Cap 1 did because foreign markets have exploded since then. And sequels. Sequels make money. Right. Typically, if the originals did well. This movie is about, you know, a couple million within range of Thor, which was released earlier that summer, and which we'll be talking about later in mm-hmm. the season. So, but in the year of 2011, Captain America was 12th domestically and 17th worldwide. So, a really solid outing. Maybe not the best, maybe, but it's, it's staying in top 20. Top chops. Better than Dread. <laughs> it is, it's it's a better not... movie than Dread, too. Shut <laughs> up! Post it with this. <laughs> okay. Um, and, all right, that's all we... Anyone got more they want to say on the money? It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, not Iron Man money, but... Yeah, oof, Iron Man money. Oof. But that stuff's sweet. Yeah. That's why they could make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so comic book characters that made their debut in the, this film. That I'm going to talk about, as well as the plot. The plot, I mean, it's a pretty carbon-cut origin story. Yeah, origin stories. <laughs> like the first, like third, the first act is just him establishing the character. But we, you know how origin stories work. I don't need to explain this. No, explain it again in uh, another movie dude's <laughs> called totally, Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, dude, if I dude's need... totally hapless, gets powers, is like, what? And then that's it. <laughs> the defeats villain that's been building up this whole time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Forgot about so, that. so actually what I need is I need a movie. I need to make a movie explaining an origin movie. Like, yeah, yes. like, a, like a docudrama. <laughs> a biopic. No, no, an origin story. No, just... Just get really meta with the next Spider-Man movie <laughs> and have it be a movie about an origin story. Okay. Well, um, the characters, strangely enough, Captain America and Red Skull did not make their first theatrical appearance in this film. That was in another film called Captain America from 1990 starring Matt Salinger, which we will hopefully get to. That's way down the line, but I, ooh, that's some good stuff. They made Red <laughs> Yeah. They made Red School Italian <laughs> instead of German in that movie. Oh, man. And also, Matt Salinger is related to J.D. Salinger, <laughs> oh. author of Catcher in the Rye. Ooh. Oh. But anyway. That's a good book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their works are comparable, right? You know, 1990s <laughs> Captain America, Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, it's a toss-up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we have characters that premiered in this film. Colonel Phillips, Tommy Lee Jones' character. Original. I wasn't really sold on his entire purpose in this film, other than to just to be an opposing force for Captain America's like legitimacy, and it, that's really it. When you can hire Tommy Lee Jones to be snarky, yeah, best go for it. He had some of the best lines, so good for him. Yeah, and he did. He he knocked it out of the park like he usually does. Yeah. Next up, Abraham Erskine. 
Erskine? I've always just said Erskine. Yeah, I, you know, saw the movie recently, and I still don't remember. Yeah. The guy, Stanley Tucci's character, uh, he was only, he was he's not been around in the comic books a lot. He was only in the first one, and then he died, kind of like how he was in the first act of the movie, and then he died. Because he appeared in, like, 1941, the very first Captain America comic, and then he died. And he was a very carbon-cut scientist. I say carbon-cut a lot. Yeah, you do. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Abraham Yinsen. Yeah. So then <laughs> so then they added, you know, instead of making him kind of plain and dull, they gave him this relationship with Steve Rogers that he's like some sort of pseudo-father figure, which was nice. A nice little movie adaptation touch to go along with the story, but not a whole lot there. Finally, we're getting to some bigger characters in the comic books. Arnim Zola, Toby Jones's character. Arnim Zola was made by Jack Kirby in 1977. So 30 years after Captain America's been around, does this villain show up? And he constantly partners with Red Skull, so that's a thing. Zola's claim to fame is that he's able to, he did that thing where he like transfers his consciousness into in a, an ESP box, a robot. Yeah. And they did that in the second Captain America, right? Yeah, uh, yes, they did. Loosely, kind of. Right. I mean, anyone who knows the classic Zola will. Oh, the comic book? Yeah. He's yeah. Sort, of, sort of like a, he's a box and his head is the box. Yeah. It, and with arms and legs. Oh, like the, like the dude from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yes. He is kind of like Krang. Except, yeah. No, exactly like Krang. Yeah. Electronic brain instead of actual little brain mutant. Yeah. That's that's good. He is like Krang. Um, we should have talked about that in the we Captain America talk- episode, how Zola, can you can move your consciousness into a brain. Moving on. Howling Commandos made an appearance, and there is a lot of info on the Howling Commandos. They are a cycling team. There are a lot of different Howling Commandos from a lot of different nations. It's kind of hard to keep them track because there's been a lot of different iterations of the team. But basically what you saw was kind of a hodgepodge of the first set. You know, Dum Dum Dugan and Dino Minnelli and Fallsworth and people like that. So those are names of the characters, in case you were wondering if I was losing you there. I got it. Once you said Dum Dum Dugan, I was like, hat guy with a mustache. Yeah, Neil McDonough's character, which he knocked that out of the park. But those characters were made in 1963 by Stanley and Jack Kirby because war comics were hot back in the day. Not so much now. The Howling Commandos had a couple staple marks. They were led by Nick Fury, which tell me if that makes sense because Nick Fury is like got to be 90 years old by now. Uh, He takes anti-aging, in case you're wondering. He's just a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) It was the first uh, superhero comic to to feature a comic book character who was Jewish and not racist Jewish. (laughs) That's an important distinction. Yeah. Yeah, that's What about about Anne Frank? (laughs) (laughs) Not a comic book character. Really? Real person. What if Anne Frank was part of the Howling Commandos? I'd watch that movie. I'd watch that, too. I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not. Let's, uh, moving on. Peggy, uh, no, I'm going to skip Peggy Carter, and I'm going to go right to Bucky. I already talked about Bucky a little bit in The Winter Soldier, but I mostly talked about his Winter Soldier-ness, because that was a big transformation for that character. Bucky, the first character, was made came about again in Captain America 1, 1941, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Those guys, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've heard they're okay. Uh, he was a 15-year-old sidekick for Captain America, 
meant to rally the youth of the nation, because that's how USA justifies putting a 15-year-old in combat <laughs> situations. And do you want to know how he got the gig? You saw Steve Rogers changing into Captain America once, and he's like, you have to take me with you because I know your secret now. Oh, all right, young chap. You bet. <laughs> yes, come with me right into the line of fire. <laughs> fight <poor> Nazis. fool. <laughs> Let's go fight Nazis, you pretty much orphan boy. So he's like child. Robin. Yeah, he's pretty, yep. he came about a year after, or a year or two after Robin premiered. Ooh. Yeah. They they both have the little tight pants and mm-hmm. the domino mask. Domino mask. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have taken the mantle, and of course, Bucky was revived as Winter Soldier not ten years ago. And there's a reason why they did that is because people do not accept whimsy in comic books anymore. They have to be have a, like a like a, a ground line of realism. So you can't have like a 15-year-old fighting unless that 15-year-old's like trained by assassins and a super genius, a.k.a. Damian Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Right. Robin. Yep. Mm, that's all I oh, – no, I was going to talk about Peggy. And then we finally have Peggy Carter, and she was made by Stanley and Jack Kirby. A lot of the three names getting thrown around, Stanley, Jack Kirby, Joe Simon. They were, they were big dudes back in the, the 40s, 50s, 60s. And this fil- uh, this character was made in 1966. She was a World War II love interest to Captain America, a gunslinger in the French Resistance. It wasn't a really, like, prominent love interest. She was sort of kind of like a story arc type love interest. And then she got amnesia after Captain America got frozen in ice, and she forgot all about him and stuff like that. And she was brought back for a little bit, but whatever the movie has transformed her into a tremendously pivotal role in Marvel's overall, the Marvel Studios universe, cinematic universe. Has her own show. Yeah. And we're on the street as it's good. Judge for yourself and watch it. All right. That's all I have on comic books. So tell me, Skylar, this music. How great is it? It's, yes, we're going to make that sound like a thousand times. Yeah. We've already made it at least 20 <laughs> in previous episodes scattered throughout. <laughs> All right. Well, I, wait, I added those out because I did that in almost every episode. Really? <laughs> it's it's like our calling card or something like that. It's just a beautiful theme. Music of uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, is done by Alan Silvestri. We talked about him a couple episodes ago as the guy who wrote the music for the Avengers. Another in the long line at this point of different composers working on Marvel projects. I would say the standout thing that uh, the Captain America soundtrack has going for it is, in fact, the Captain America theme. Co-host Ben brought up before the show that it's very Copeland-esque. If you know who Copeland is. Yes. Uh, just, Just think Rodeo. Nope, that, that not little, following. That little magic. He also wrote uh, Fanfare for the Common Man. That's right. Which is probably more what I was thinking of. More Google it, on. listeners. Go on Spotify, search Copeland Conducts Copeland. Copeland Conducts Copeland. It's a great album. It's so good. <laughs> nice. Anyway, let's, let's f- try to find some similarities in that between... Copeland and the track Triumphant Return. 
good stuff. Fills you with America. America. Mm. <laughs> I'm full. <laughs> wow. Full of burritos. <laughs> no, that's Captain Mexico. <laughs> no. Uh, was that you? Who the fuck do you think it was? <laughs> <laughs> Who else snorts? Well, it was so pronounced. It was... Sorry, I'm sorry. Anywho. That's what I do every week. <laughs> Silvestri's Captain America theme, you hear it regularly throughout the movie, but probably not going to hear any other noticeable theme, but you do get some incidental music that can be pretty entertaining in its own right. Let's take a listen to Hydra Train. Where, where they were about to land on the train. Yes, and then do land on the train. That's a that's a sound that's a bit different than the rest of the music though. A little bit more intense. Yeah. A little it, more yeah, I picked this track out because A, it's pretty consistent in its sound, unlike a lot of the action music of the rest of the album where it just kind of like doesn't stick to any real theme or idea t- for too long. Mm-hmm. But also because it builds up really awesomely. So That's true. It does have a nice build up. Yeah, yeah. Beyond that, there's not too much to say about Captain America, the first Avengers soundtrack, other than let's... Oh, wait. You yeah, forgot is. one whole track, bro. Uh, well, no, I was I was going to cue into the very last track, but this... Not necessarily this score, but this soundtrack did have a very uh, notable uh, addition to it in that the song they use about an hour or so into the movie, Star Spangled Man... Uh, when, you know, Cap is trying to shill... Every buck is a bullet in your best guy's gun. That. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One yeah. of the best lines in the film. Right. Yes, when he's doing that, uh, the song they use is actually written by Alan Menken, who any Disney fans out there will recognize as the composer of Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Literally your entire childhood. Yes, your childhood is contained in that that Captain America song. <laughs> well, he's back for a little reprise. It's a little, little Easter egg dilly-dally. Exactly. The American way. <laughs> it's it's a nice little perk of the uh, the recent Disney buying Marvel thing. <laughs> yeah, that, well, it happened right before. Yeah, it happened two years before this movie came out. So I, Oh, yeah. And yeah. then with Avengers, it <clears throat> they took over, so it's like... Yeah, we're going to just throw... We got this guy. We worked with him before. He knows what he's doing. Let's just listen to that Captain America theme one more time in the track. Well, Captain America March. 
Oh, oh, the the end credits one. Yes. Okay, I thought you wanted me to play Star Spangled Man for a second there, and I was, no. about, I was like, I don't have that prop. No. <laughs> That theme will live in infamy. No, not infamy. Not, not infamy. More just like fame. Is he? Fame. I want fame. Makes the man. Makes things over. <laughs> we need to stop singing. It's getting out of hand. <laughs> it's getting way out of hand. Ben's just sitting there like, I ain't going to sing. I love, David not Bowie. I love David Bowie. I'm not going to try to imitate his voice, though. <laughs> no. Because like three octaves too low. Yeah. But Ben, since you've been so silent, you don't want to sing. Can you sing to us in the language of science? Oh. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh! I just meant talk about it, but oh. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do you want to start with? Well, what do you want to start well, with? Playing, it's I, your section. Well, I don't know. I I have to pull up Wikipedia, so I can't look at the list. Oh, I see. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that's right. That's how we do um, things. Let's see. Oh, there it is. Super Thank soldiers. Yeah. Uh, super soldiers. Yeah. Um, It's a thing that people have been wanting to do for years, because who doesn't want to have the best soldiers that they can so they can dominate other nations? And, like, I don't know, the way they do it in the movie with the Vita Ray is kind of meh. Um, <laughs> the, 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 most of the, like, current research into super soldiering involves technological augmentation. So, oh, I see. Like, cyber, like, like, making people cyborgs? Yeah, basically. Uh, exoskeletons. Mm. They make some pretty cool exoskeletons that let people bench, like, 2,000 pounds. No, more like 500 pounds, but okay, um, <laughs> it's a bit more reasonable. But, um, yeah, I don't really have too much to say about super soldiers because a lot of the... It's fictional. It's fictional, and, like, when people talk, like, in real life talk about super soldiers, a lot of it's, like, pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. You and... think it's fictional, mystical? Maybe. Oh, uh, the gorillas. Yes. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting good at this. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Uh, next on the list I had shield throwing, question mark. We we I mean we had Shamo come on for Captain America two and talk a little bit about shield throwing and it's sort of like he's a super soldier, so he can obviously he do can, that stuff. He can hunk a garbage can lid. <laughs> but we're just trying to let's let's conceptualize for a moment. Is it possible to actually throw like can a human brain reach that level of pinpoint accuracy with a an object? Well, uh, the sport high lie. Um, which originated in the Basque region of Spain, involves a... It's called the fastest sport in the world, and basically they use these curved... These curved... Like, they're like lacrosse they're sticks? Like, they're like, they're like lacrosse sticks, yeah, like hooked lacrosse sticks, and they use those, and they they can just whip these balls super fast. They can get up to... The, world, the record is over 200 miles an hour. Oh, boy. Uh, at, so at the professional level, you routinely get up above 150 miles an hour you miss and you just make contact with this thing yeah i mean it's it's like racquetball but 12 times as fast so you oh wow yeah okay. so captain america being able to throw his shield 
as fast as he does and react to it. Totally could, especially if you're a super soldier. Okay. Next topic. Next topic. Uh, the train scene. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Usually in, in action sequences, I'm like, ugh, inertia, Newton's third law. It's dumb. I hate it. <laughs> it wouldn't work. Uh, but this is actually, this one actually, I, lo- I watched it and I was like, yeah, that's how that would go down. <laughs> um, because what they're doing is they're ziplining down so that they're on top of the train and they're going the same speed as the train. Like they're moving along, and the train's right beneath them. They're, right beneath them. I don't know how they got that zip line up there. They, that's a that's an interesting problem to have the zip line perfectly aligned so that they're going when they reach the bottom of the zip line, they're going the exact same speed as the train. Mm-hmm. The fact is, since they're moving at the same speed as the train, when they drop down, there's no relative motion, and so it'd be like if we like dropped from a from a pull up bar and land on the ground because we're going the same speed as the ground yeah zero that yeah. direction yeah exactly laterally so the, the yeah the way they just like drop and then are on top of the train going the same speed they were before i'm like, like yeah. They, yeah they didn't tumble or anything they didn't they, like fly off yeah they always say you know when you're trying to catch a train you run along next to it and then mm-hmm. do that instead yeah don't jump ju- at the side because because you'll get rocked yeah so Train scene was pretty good. Let's talk about chirogenics. Cairo, Cairo, cryo, cryo, whatever. Cairo, <laughs> chirogenics. Uh, the study of Egypt's capital city and genetics. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> cryogenics. Cryogenics. Um, Captain America's staple mark to fame because he was yes. frozen in ice. Uh, chirogenics. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. I'm done. We're not going to talk about this. <laughs> no, we have to. The the study of things, especially tissues at cold temperatures. Okay. Um, Freezing people so that they survive, and then you unfreeze them, and they're okay. That's the idea. The premise is all your memories, identity, consciousness is stored in the physical structures of the brain, the molecules, the cells, neurons. Um, and if that ends up not being true, if you know consciousness is just like a thing that's not related to the structure of your brain, then this is not going to work at all. But but, but the premise is, if it's all stored in the structure of your brain, then when you die, you could recover that structure if you bring your body back to life. And that's what happens when you go under cardiac arrest. When your heart stops beating, you can be legally declared dead, but they can bring you back, and if they do it fast enough, you won't have brain damage. And the idea is, uh, there's this notion of information-theoretic death, which is after biological death, if your the structures of your brain decay or disintegrate or whatever to the point that you couldn't recover memories, identity, consciousness, then that's when they're, like, really dead. So the idea is you freeze them before this point and then hope that in the future uh, you'll be able to revive them and get all that information back. So have they successfully revived someone? Uh, no. Okay. The only things that can be, the only uh, living tissue that can be frozen and brought back to life is sperm, blood, embryos, stuff like that. Individual cells. Very tiny. Yeah. Not a brain. Not a whole human body. Okay. So, and, it's, well, it's just like a common movie TV trope to have yeah. the frozen man come back. Like, yeah. You remember, man, there were so many of those like Scooby Doo caveman episodes. Oh, yeah. Where did they go? Let's just unfreeze the caveman. Oh, no. He's loose. 
I, no, no, that guy's dead. He's been dead for a long time. Yeah, and then it ended up being the janitor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. This is all bad news for Walt Disney. <laughs> oh. So he's just he's yeah. just an ice cube underneath Disney World now. So. Yeah. Anyway, and, and one the biggest challenge with uh, Chiro- cryonics, stopped myself that time. <laughs> um, the biggest challenge with that is when you freeze something, ice forms. And if ice forms inside your cells, it will, like, turn them to mush. Oh. And so, yeah, they have to, like, chemically treat you and freeze you in a in a way that they can minimize the number of and size of ice crystals. Yeah, because that's what I was wondering. Like, doesn't that, like, actually... We die by being cold and frozen. Yeah. So, like... And they want to use the same method to preserve us? Since Captain America um, didn't have these chemical treatments and he wasn't frozen carefully, he was just dropped in ice. Mm-hmm. Um, what would have happened is they would have melted him and just found like a, he would have just fallen apart like rotten meat. Mm, but he's a super soldier. So super anything soldier. happens because so. Vita rays. Yeah. Vita rays. Okay. Any more science you want to douse on? That was a good, healthy dose um, of science there. Uh, th- this is, um, yeah, that's it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I, have, I have some other stuff that I could talk about, but it's it's better for uh, fun facts. All right. Fun facts. We have a new actor as Howard Stark, Dominic Cooper? Yeah. Replacing, uh, what's what was the other guy's name? Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, John Slattery played him in Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who the guy was in Iron Man 1. So. I thought it was John Slattery as well. No, they had another dude for that. Oh, but. okay. Yeah, later on in 2011, uh, Dominic Cooper would go on to be in a really awesome movie called The Devil's Double, where he plays the son of Saddam Hussein. Oh, wow. Okay. So 2011 was a good year for him. Oh, uh, yeah. And now he's just sort of become... The, well, I brought this up because it's like they haven't gone back to John Slattery. They've stuck with young Howard Stark, Dominic Cooper in all of like the flashback pictures and everything. They have, but John Slattery's coming back for Ant-Man. Whoa! Okay, never mind. Wait, as a different character? No. Okay. Awesome. Good news. Didn't Good. know that. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Two months late. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up on the... Oh, I just skipped past it. Ah, ah, ah. What's next? I got one. Someone okay. tell me. I got one. You go. Uh, the enormous tank that Captain America blows up. That shows up in, like, one scene. Oh, yeah, that montage of howling commandos, the rummaging <laughs> through Germany, blowing up science things. And oh. then there's that giant tank. Giant tank. That that giant tank uh, is based on a – it's based on a real tank uh, that was designed but never actually built by Germany during World War II. Um, it was called the Land Cruiser P-1000 Rat, which is German for the – Land Cruiser Thousand Ton Rat. <laughs> um, <laughs> only a one word difference, but it makes all the difference. Um, and it, it weighed uh, 1,000 metric tons. Um, oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so this was pretty big. The real tank that was never built, but it was designed, uh, was um, 30, the hull was 35 meters long. That's 115 feet. If you include the barrel of the gun, when that was pointed forward, it was 128 feet long. It was... Did they have any, like, ballistics on how hard this thing could hit? Well, it its main armament was a 280-millimeter cannon. Oh, man. Uh, so 
That's like a foot wide cannonball. <laughs> if if ever we have a Captain America Ghost Rider crossover, I want to see that giant tank versus the mountain sar. Yeah, the bagger two eighty eight. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, Next fun fact topic. Okay. Well, for anyone who thought that Chris Evans went from you know deathly skinny to ripped as <laughs> ripped can be, uh, sorry, they actually uh, accomplished that through a very groundbreaking at the time CGI CGI effect, effect in which they hired another actor who was um, closer to Steve Rogers's first uh, body type, and then imposed Chris Evans' head on it. So. Mm. Yeah, I noticed that in the early trailers, if you can find very early trailers, that line is much more... Um, pronounced? Yeah, much more pronounced. But later and later into the editing of the film and the trailers that came out later, when it was closer to the date, that line is almost gone. Yeah, that as is, you know, want to happen mm-hmm. in basically all trailers. Like, you go back and look at first Spy- Amazing Spider-Man 2 trailer from last December mm-hmm. lots of unfinished effects so and what's Red Skull Red Skull okay uh, a couple things surrounding Red Skull I'd say about 90% of his look was done with actual makeup oh and then they just dang. removed the nose do they have a time on how long that would have taken him um we can assume four hours yeah four hours t- up in the makeup chair for Hugo Weaving every day. Maybe that's why he didn't want to come back. Want to come back. So, <laughs> yes. But as you'll see in the f- last encounter with him in the movie, they kept things a little ambiguous in mm-hmm. how he exited the film. And that's because originally they were planning on using him and Loki as the villains for the Avengers. Mm, okay. But eventually they decided against that. Because Hugo Weaving didn't agree to come back. Pretty much. Okay. Or Joss Whedon just wrote him out. So. Oh, that happens. All right. Time for that final section. All right. You guys ready? Because of this movie. Mm. Oh, boy. In case you haven't noticed what season four is all about. It just means that we're going to say jokes slash actual real things that happen directly because of this film in our opinion, whether it be personal or not personal. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, because of this movie, we got a groundbreaking CGI effect. It's true. Because of this movie, people almost forgot Joe Johnson directed the Wolfman remake. <laughs> almost. That's a, that's a good movie. No. No? It's better no. than Dread. Ah! <laughs> oh, because of this movie, we we knew which character in the Avengers would be the boringest. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that ended up being so true. <laughs> Unless you watch it in Spanish, because for some reason... The voices they use are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> also, Dark Knight Rises in French, mm, it is to die for. Bane sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Muy bénéfique. <laughs> I, I don't speak Russian. <laughs> because of this movie, we got to see an unbelievably fit Chris Evans. Someone wrote oily. You thought I would have fell for that. You jerked. All right, Why fine. do you look at me when you say that? <laughs> An unbelievably fit and oily Chris Evans. <laughs> we mm. did. You know what? And women rejoiced, and some men rejoiced, and I rejoiced. <laughs> some men. Although, I, I kind of rejoiced, too. Because of this movie, we finally had what kind of amounted to be Marvel's most natural love story so far. <laughs> yeah, I guess. As in not shoehorned in and 
had a good female character. So. You know what? I'm not. I'm going to challenge you on that because I think Stark and Potts are a pretty good couple. <sighs> good actors forced a little bit in areas. Like I said, most natural in this one. Okay. It all came to fruition in Iron Man 3, so I guess this yeah. was, this this was the first appearance of a nice normal romance and then Iron Man 3 took took the cake. Yeah, that would, stuff was great. Yeah, I would say the three Iron Man movies together have it, but if you're going by the timeline of this one, this swept it. Uh yeah, because of this movie, origin stories are dumb and I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good movie, but seriously, because of this movie, I shot a little nerd doogie in my pants at the end credit scene when they played the Avengers teaser trailer. It's like, oh my god, it's a it's a preview for a better movie. <laughs> you know what? That's become a common trope. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, that movie kind of sucked. Oh my god, look at this end credit scene. I'm so excited for another film now. <laughs> Happened to like Days when- of Future Past. Or like when Avengers is over, mm-hmm. and then they were all just sitting around eating shawarma, and I was like, oh, man. And then I watched The Mind of a Chef on Netflix, <laughs> because, which is technically about ramen, not sh- not shawarma. Are you high? <laughs> I'm really hungry. All I had to eat for lunch today was like two frozen burritos and a bowl of chili. Eat a shawarma. I'm so hungry. You have no idea. <laughs> Maybe you should get fondue. I'm feeling another burrito. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to make a joke within the Captain America movie. Isn't that what they were oh, going yeah, out for? Oh, yeah, the fondue joke. Yeah, it's okay. You guys don't care about my jokes and how clever they are. <laughs> yeah, you're really not funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. Whew. Sorry, I had to get a little personal there. <laughs> Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced in the studios of KMSU in Mankato, Minnesota. Follow us on Twitter to get updates on future episodes and for continued discussion of this week's topic. If you have any questions, corrections, or comments, tweet us at SuperheroMC. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes so you can catch every episode as it comes out on Fridays near 4 o'clock. And like us on Facebook to keep up with us throughout each week. Next show's topic is Green Lantern. Yes! Huzzah! (laughs) The space diarrhea is coming. What? (laughs) Mark Strong in a subpar performance in a beyond subpar movie (laughs) (laughs) the most brutal parental death scene i've seen in a long time (laughs) you thought i was phoning it in this week (laughs) just wait (laughs) all right that'll do it today i'm your host michael mauer i'm james skyler houtsma and i'm ben anderson (laughs) and i hope you have a super week No todos podemos ser marines o un tanque tripular, pero os diré cómo podemos luchar. ¿Quién va a luchar como un hombre legal sin ceder? Bonos de defensa, cada uno de tus bonos comprador es una bala en el arma de nuestro mejor tirador. ¿Quién a tu casa vendrá por América? ¿Quién llevará la bandera de América? Te como que más por